0: May we bow together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in God's house today. We're so glad that Jesus is the answer. In every dark night, in every lonely hour, in every moment of depression, sorrow, hurt, as well as in the days of victory and joy, the Lord Jesus Christ has been is and always will be the answer because Jesus is the great I am. We pray that every person within the sound of our voice today would sense that, would recognize it, and may the Holy Spirit move in every heart. In Christ's name, amen. Reading from Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah 60, Arise, Shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising." And in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us." This morning I want to speak on the subject, a light in a very dark world. A light in a very dark world. And as we think of the dark world, we think of the amazing ancestrage of the Lord. We have studied this in the Sunday School Hour. We will look at it again in this service and connect it with that marvelous promise made hundreds of years before Christ was born. As the prophet Isaiah called out to the Jews who were discouraged and defeated in Babylonian captivity when he said, Arise. Shine, for thy light is come. For the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord is risen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Israel was indeed in a dark land. They were defeated, they were discouraged, they were hurt. The favored chosen people of God, We're in a Babylonian captivity, and captivity in a foreign land. God had not planned it this way. The scripture tells us that God had chosen Israel to be a blessing to the whole world. From those early passages in Genesis 3, where God had said to Satan shortly after the fall of man into sin, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, Thou shalt bruise his heel, but he shall crush forever thy head. Then God repeated a promise to Abraham when he said, Through thee all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God repeated that promise to Judah through the lips of Jacob when he said, A scepter shall not depart from the house of Judah until Shiloh shall come. And over and over again these promises were made. And yet the people of God now find themselves in captivity. They are discouraged. They're defeated. Their sins have found them out, as is always true. Men and women, boys and girls, families, husbands, wives, nations, do not sin and get by with it. There's a law written into the Constitution of the universe which is written into our own constitutional makeup. The soul that sinneth, it shall die be sure your sin will find you out. We speak this morning to people, some of whom have swept their sins under the carpet of their lives. Some of whom have swept their sins deep down into the reservoirs of their subconscious. and They're not consciously aware of guilt and yet that sin is there and the Bible says That sin, soon or late, will find you out unless that sin is atoned for through the blood of the covenant. Christ Jesus our Lord dying on the cross for our sins. Now, Israel had sinned. And as a result of that sin, in 722, God allowed the Assyrian nation, which was a pagan nation, to come down from the north and to take captive of the ten northern tribes of Israel and lead them into punishment, into oblivion, into captivity. We've never heard from those ten northern tribes since. Nephtali, Zebulun, Asher, Dan, Gad, on and on we could go, Ephraim, Manasseh, and so on. But the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, banded together under the royal line as descendants of David, And they kept alive in the hopes of the Jewish people that one day there would come to sit on the throne of David, a king who would rule in righteousness. But the kings themselves could not be righteous. There was sin so indelibly identified with their lives that they went down one after another in the awful abysses of sin. Until God finally in the year 585 raised up the Babylonian pagan nation and allowed them to be a threshing instrument in the hand of God to come sweeping across the desert and down into Judah and laid captive all the peoples who were God's chosen nation. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all taken to Babylon. Many of the choice people of Jerusalem, the young people of Jerusalem, of Judea were incarcerated, imprisoned, became prisoners in a foreign land. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was utterly torn down and burned. And there was nothing left but a trash heap upon which Jeremiah walked when he said, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there is any sorrow like unto my sorrow as he looked at what was once the holy city of Jerusalem. And now the people of God in lonely exile and captivity in Babylon cry out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. God says to Isaiah, you go down and preach. Say to those people who are defeated, When they were asked to sing a song of Zion, they say, how can we sing a song of Zion in a foreign land? They hung their harps upon willow trees and sat down and wept. God said, Isaiah, you go down and say to them, the word that I have, the message that I have, arise, shine, for thy light has come. Now, the light hadn't come yet. This was five to eight hundred years before the light of the world, Christ Jesus the Lord, should come. But... In prophetic utterance, Isaiah was saying to the people, it is time now to arise and shine, for thy light is come. It is as if Christ has already come. It is as if the Messiah is already here. Christ is coming. But years and years are to ensue until the Christ shall come. And the lineage down through the years is recorded for us in Matthew As we've studied in Sunday school this morning, as we think of that amazing ancestry, as we think of the fulfillment of that ancestry in Christ who was born to be king, born to be savior, born to shed his blood on a cross for our sins, we think of that light in a dark world, the ancestry that brought that light into the dark world. I want us to think, first of all, of the symbolic stages of history that are revealed in the passages we've read from Isaiah and in Matthew. These symbolic passages remind us of the period of the patriarchs. In Matthew, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brother. And There are four major characters in the book of Genesis, Abraham, Isaac. Jacob and Joseph. The lineage was not traced through Joseph. It was rather chased, tra- traced through Judah. <coughs> but the lineage is saying Jacob's son was Judah and his brother, and Judah begot Perez and Zerah of Tamar, and Perez begot Hazron, and Hazron begat Ram, and so on. I want us to think for a moment of the period of the patriarchs, the judges, directed toward greatness, these men of God directed the nation toward the pinnacle of greatness that God had out for it. And then as we read on in these verses, we read of the period of the monarchy, we read all of these kings, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joram, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Ammon, Josiah, Jeconiah, and so on. With the exception of just a few, these kings had wickedness in their hearts, sin in their hearts, and they remind us that Israel went down to its lowest ebb in shame and tragedy and disaster. And as we pick up after the Babylonian captivity, beginning in verse twelve, we read of Sheltiel and Zerubbabel and Abihu'd. And Eliakim and Azor and Sodak and Achim and Elihud and Eliezer and Mathan and Jacob and so on. And all of these, a period of meaninglessness for 400 years after the fall of Judah, for 400 years after the preaching of Malachi the great preacher. In that awful period of captivity and the restoration, there was no voice of God, there was no preacher, there was no revival. There was nothing to call the people of God back. And so we see the symbolic periods of history in our own lives. There is that which forms us and seems to guide the pattern of our lives and the footsteps of our lives toward greatness. I believe it is no accident that we're here in this room this morning. All of us are here, the choir, the ladies dressed so elegantly and beautifully today the men in all your strength, young people in the strength and prowess of your youth. There is a hand that seems to fashion lives and lead them toward greatness. There is potential greatness in this place this morning. But just as there is potential greatness, there is the potential in all of our lives of that which would destroy the greatest graces of our lives and that which would make us great and lay our honor in the dust and cause us to be infamous rather than great. We allow the sinister, octopus-like tentacles of sin to wrap themselves around our mind, around our heart, around our passions, around our lusts and drag us down, down, down to destroy us. I think of a great preacher who could have been one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known. But in moments of frustration, he began to nip at a bottle. He got hooked on alcohol. You say, preachers get that? No one is exempt. There's not one person in this room this morning who is exempt from any tentacle of sin. For all of us have been subjected to the same tentacles of sin. And in Second Corinthians, First Corinthians 10, 13, 10, 12 and 13, Let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. For there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. The period of monarchy in Israel's history remind us that when we sometimes begin to go toward that purpose in life, and we get on the right train and we start going with God, that the devil still is not happy. And he will do everything he can to deter us and to sidetrack us as he did Israel. Israel was on its way toward becoming the nation that God wanted it to be, to become a great missionary nation that could reach out to all the ends of the earth and give the story of monotheism, one God, and that his Son, Christ Jesus, was coming. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the Gentiles, the ethnos, the nations of the world, China, Japan, the Orient, Korea, South America, all the nations of the world shall come to thy light and kings to the rising of thy brightness." But those men upon whom the oracles of God came, those people who were placed in positions of opportunity and responsibility, rather than going on with God, rather than carrying the ball into the end zone, rather than doing what God said to do, became filled with self and selfishness and sin. They fell short of being what God wanted Another symbolic stage in the history of man. And then they went into a period of meaninglessness when they were carried away into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. No voice from God except the voice of Ezekiel, except the voice of Daniel crying in the throne room and Ezekiel out in the countryside. But the people of God were restless and disturbed. When they finally came back into their own land, They had no identity from the year 585 B.C. until the year 1948 A.D. All that span of years, the people of God, the Jewish people, had no national statehood. Meaninglessness. This reminds us that you and I can make our lives meaningless. Please remember that we do not ever reach the end zone until we get home. We do not ever reach the safety zone till we get home. There is never a time when a person can come to a point of life where he says, I've arrived. I've gotten to a place where I am impregnable from the tentacles of sin. We can become shipwrecked along life's road, as was true of Israel. We would be wise to remind ourselves at this Christmas season The symbolic stages of history of Israel, the period of the patriarchs as they went toward greatness, the period of the monarchy as they fell apart into nothingness, the period of the captivity and the restoration is a period of meaninglessness. That can be true of us. But this leads me to say something else, the potent personalities that are involved in this chapter. And in the chapter in the, the prophecy concerning the coming of the king, righteousness in men and women was a strong characteristic. We think of Abraham who offered Isaac. God said, Abraham, do you love your son or do you love me the most? Sooner or late you and I are going to face that. Do you really love me more than you love your bottle? Do you love me more than you love your television? Do you love me more than you love your job? Do you love me more than you love your money? Do you, which is first in your life? I've been interested in Dr. Robert G. Lee. <clears throat> He's 91. I heard him say, Jesus is first in my life and he knows it. It's one thing for us to say Jesus is first in our lives. It's another thing to say he knows it. I think that was true of Abraham. When God said, Abraham, you take Isaac, your own son, and offer him as a sacrifice. And when he went out to that sacrificial hill, Mount Moriah, he and the disciple he and the servants and Abraham and, and Isaac. I think Abraham must have believed in the resurrection already because he knew that God was going to, through him, bless all the nations of the world. And if he killed Isaac, as God demanded, God would bring him back to life. So firm was the faith of Abraham that when they got to that hill, God said, Abraham, don't kill your son Isaac. I just want to see who you love the most. There come tests in our lives like that. Righteous men and women. Ruth was a righteous woman. Hezekiah was a righteous king. And then we think of some of the strong, dedicated young people. David was a young man like that. He was a sheep a shepherd a, sh- a shepherd boy. He took care of the sheep. <clears throat> and when when God sent Samuel down to Jesse's house to find the young king. Jesse put all of his sons out, great big tall fellows, handsome glutes. Why, they'd have ever, we'd have all elected them, we'd have chosen them. And God said, Samuel, that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. And finally, God said, Samuel, you ask Jesse if he doesn't have another boy. Jesse, don't you have another son somewhere? Well, I've got one more boy, you wouldn't be interested in him, he's just a shepherd. He takes care of the sheep out there. Go get him. And they brought little David. And the moment Samuel's eyes lighted on David's eyes, God said, Samuel, that's my man, David. That young boy who had been out there writing, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, that young boy had a poetic soul. He had a soul that was able to commune with God. He had a soul that could get alone with God, even though later in life he also had a soul that was filled with passion and impurity and lust. He had a heart that was like the heart of God. God could use him. We think of Josiah. Another young boy, eight years old, when he became king of Israel, of Judah. Sixteen, when he began to seek the Lord and the will of God for his life. God began to use Josiah as a young king. He brought great reformation and revival to the nation. All of these reminding us of lives that we can live, yieldedness that we can make to the Lord. But we also see in this lineage, the wicked compromisers, Tamar, Bathsheba, Rahab, Manasseh, all of those filled with sin, and yet God could reach down to the lowest depths of sin, could take a woman, Rahab the harlot, and raise her up and make her a great, 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 great grandmother of our Lord. Or that wicked man, Manasseh, who killed king who killed the preacher Isaiah one of the wickedest kings that ever lived God could so change him in his later life Manasseh became the great 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 grandfather of our Lord this leads us to say that no matter what your plight no matter what your situation no matter what your circumstance in life if you're high be careful God could bring you low or your own stumbling weary sin-filled way could bring you stumbling tumbling down if you're way down and you're nothing and in your own eyes you say who am I like Gideon said or like Isaiah or one of the other preachers who am I to do anything for God God can say I'll lift you up and I can make something of you if you'll let me we learn all of that From the amazing ancestry of our Lord. And then we think of the hope in the darkest of earth's nights. Hope, arise, shine in the midst of men like Manasseh, in the midst of women like Tamar, Rahab, in the midst of all the plight of discouragement and despair. Arise, shine, for there is hope. In a dark night, there are implications of this hope. Christmas has implications. The very fact that Jesus was born, a light to the Gentiles, a light to a world that was dark. There are implications. We think first of all of the social implications of Christ's coming. He removed the barriers. He destroyed all the barriers. In Christ there is no Jew nor Gentile, no bond nor free, no black nor white, no north nor south, nor east nor west. Rahab was a Jericho-Canaanite. Ruth was a Moabite foreigner. God was saying symbolically, I can use anybody. And then we think of the place of women. The women's liberation movement is way out of line, ladies and gentlemen. Women had no liberty nor freedom until Jesus came. They were a possession. They were a piece of property. Men sold them. Men bought them. Men arranged for them. Men even sold their own daughters or would loan their wives out. And because men are getting their eyes off of God, society is going back to this. And the liberation movement that women, some women, are asking for today is nothing more than an enslavery movement to bring women who have been elevated and exalted to a high position down under an awful tyranny of slavery to self's whims and desires and lore-based nature but when you think of women in light of the context of the coming of Christ ladies were exalted to a place not of authority over somebody else but a place of honor a place of holiness women were placed in a position as something to be respected and revered they dragged that woman to Jesus she has been taken in adultery Moses said Stone her." what do you say Our Lord stooped down in the sand, and he wrote, Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And he stood up, and all of the accusers were gone. Jesus did not condone sin, but he did not condemn the sinner. He lifted the sinner from the tyranny and tragedy of sin. All across our world today, where the glorious gospel of Christ has not been preached, women are still slaves. I think you noticed when Jim McKinley showed the slides of Pakistan, Bangladesh, how the Muslim women are all covered. Nobody can look on them. But where Christ has come, that veil has been removed. Women are looked upon as something beautiful, as they were in the scripture. Something that would attract man to a high pinnacle of living. Listen, dear ladies. When a woman's morals sag, a man's morals fag. The standard bearers of the world are not the men but the women. And when the women puff their cigarettes away, what do you think their little children will do? And when the women live careless lives, what do you think the teenagers will do? And the women forget to pray, what do you think the men will do? The women are the standard bearers. And God, through Christ, elevated the women to something holy and beautiful. Well, we think of the social implications of the gospel, the slave has been made our brother. There is no such thing in the Christian economy as class. We don't look down at somebody and say, well, he's lower than I am. I'm up here and he's down there. In Christ, we are brothers and sisters. But there are soul implications in the gospel. Soul implications. In Galatians chapter 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have a personal encounter with Jesus. Matthew is the gospel of the coming King, the gospel of the Messiah, the gospel of rejection, the gospel of new hope. The sole implications of the gospel, listen to this. Joseph, don't be afraid to take unto you Mary. For that holy thing that is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. No wonder, 800 years earlier, Isaiah had cried out, Arise, shine, for thy light is come and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the rising of thy glory. For she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You and I wrapped up in the corner of our own lives in the awful selfishness, littleness, dwarfness, of ourselves when we let Christ into our lives he breaks that cocoon of self and out can come something beautiful a few years ago somebody wrote a song saying make my life beautiful beautiful for thee the only way a life can be beautiful is to be touched by Jesus and the only way we can really be touched by Jesus is to come to Him for the blood covering. For without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. Is there a cleansing and a forgiveness? And when Christ went to that cross, He who knew no sin became sin for us, crucified, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And when Jesus was there on the cross, and the blood of God was streaming down that old rugged cross, It formed a pool of blood at the foot of the cross that sinners plunged beneath that blood should lose all their guilty stains. And when Christ was raised up triumphantly from the dead, He arose with power over sin and the grave and the enemy of death and hell. And he is alive forevermore. And he is able to save to the uttermost everyone, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Saving us from our sins, from our meaninglessness, from our nothingness. To be a light to a dark, dark world. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee that Jesus is all that He said He was. There is no disappointment in Jesus. I thank You for the honor of preaching the unsearchable riches of God. Oh, our Father, we pray today that someone who has been bound in the shackles of sin will be loosed and freed and will come to God by faith. Help them to receive Jesus today and then to come and confess it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May we stand, please. We're going to sing God's invitation, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. I'd like to request that we not move around or leave during the singing of this hymn. If you're here this morning and you have been saved before you came to this place, but you have not confessed Jesus openly, I want to ask you to come right now and meet me right down in the front so that I can tell the church, here's a young man, here's a young woman, here's a man, here's a woman, who has found Christ. They're not ashamed of it. I urge you to come. If you're here and you've never been saved, you do not know Jesus as your Savior, would you come to Him today, just as you are, with your sins, your shame, your stain, and let Him, do his cleansing work. He'll do it if you'll let him. If your church membership is somewhere else and God wants you at Glendale, will you come today? If God has spoken to you about his will for your life, will you receive his will? Do it. While we begin to sing, who will step out first for the king. God help you to come.